Amen. Well, we appreciate y'all allowing us to be with you tonight. Hope we can be a blessing to you. You know, we believe uh, music should honor and glorify the Lord and helps prepare our hearts for, to receive his word. And so we'll be praying for Brother Tim as he comes to preach to us tonight. But we want to bless you and hope that uh, music be a blessing to you tonight. The first one that we're going to sing for you in the book of Romans, the Bible talks about justification. And that means that just as if I never was a sinner, the first song we're going to sing for you is Thank God I Am Free, Free, Free. chapter 4 verse 19 says we love him uh, because he first loved us and the name of this song is did I mention uh, that I love him David sang the praises of the glory of Jehovah Paul preached that all is lost save knowing Christ 
to the story, uh, the account given in 1 Kings chapter 17 of Elijah. Uh, there was a woman who was a widow, had a son, and they were about down to their last meal. But God knew where they were, God knew what they needed, and God sent Elijah their way. It's called Help is on the Way.
I'm going to ask uh, three of my sisters to come, and I'll introduce us uh, tonight. Uh, my name's Austin, and I know we are introduced as the Dale Brown family. I'm Austin Dale Brown. I'm the oldest son of Dale Brown, my dad and my mom. Of course, my mom, I believe, grew up in this church. Many of you know her, my grandparents, Ronnie and Edith Clayton. Uh, but I'm Austin. I'm the oldest boy, and these are my sisters, Arian, uh, Grayson, and Brianna. And on the mandolin is a, a fellow from our church, and he, his name is Joseph Long. Many of you know uh, his dad, Linwood Long, him, my dad, my mom, they sing in a group uh, called the Master's Bride. And so we're just glad to be with you tonight. The girls are going to sing one for you uh, farther along.
We're going to change things up a little bit tonight. That's my wife. She'll come to the piano. And uh, she's got our little girl. That's Abigail. That's our firstborn daughter. And uh, she's nine months old. So we praise the Lord for her. But it's good to have um, just worked out this way. It's good to have one of our friends uh, from Alabama. My wife and I met in Bible college. And uh, I'm the pastor there at Five Forks Baptist Church where my family attend. And uh, we served in Alabama for two years, and we, of course, met Katie uh, while we were in Bible college, but she also came and worked there in uh, Helena, Alabama, that's right below Birmingham. And so she's in town visiting there on spring break there at the school she teaches at, and me and Katie, we, we sang there at Gospelite, and uh, Jessica played for us. I asked Katie if she'd come. We're going to sing two for you, and then we'll turn it over uh, to Pastor Brown. Uh, but the first one is Just Pray, and then How Deep the Father's Love for Us. <laughs> Father's love for us, how vast 
Good to see everybody here tonight. Let's make our visitors feel welcome. Let's have a time of welcome now. And please, if you see someone who you think's a visitor, let them know you're glad to see them here tonight.
Some of, some of y'all, some of y'all are acting like you ain't talked any all day today. You know that? We are glad. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Thank you so much for coming. We're blessed again tonight to have Corey Wall, our a former youth minister here, and he's going to come. He's been up here from South Carolina visiting a couple of days. After what I said last night, I thought he needed equal time, so here I am. Just, uh... <laughs> Love you, mean it. Herbert, you've been telling people that I found a woman, I think. Um, I heard it a couple times tonight, but, and I, and I, I don't have, that's a lie. He, he does that sometimes, but, um, but there's a, like, I'm 27, so I'm, I'm getting older, and, like, it's that flying of, you know, waiting to see who God has for me and settling like Deborah did, but, so I don't, I'm struggling. <laughs> so we'll see. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we just, um, thank you so much for allowing us to gather here once again. Dear God, I just, again, we thank you for Theresa and what it means to me. And dear God, I just pray that you'll continue to bless it. And dear God, I pray that you'll start tonight in this revival service, dear God, that you would, um, that you would just be with Tim and, and those who are playing a part of the service, dear God, that you would give them the, the words to say and the notes to sing. And uh, dear God, we just, um, we expect good, good things again tonight and big things, dear God. And I just pray that um, revival would break out and it would start in me. And, and dear God, I just pray that um, that, that your, your will will be done tonight and that uh, you'll get the glory and, and honor for everything you're going to do. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look, I, as y'all know, I didn't become a Christian till late in my teen years, and so revivals were something new to me. But what I remember when I first became a Christian is that people would gather and, and there would always be good singing and good preaching and there would be good congregational singing. People are so glad to have revival services. I don't know what we're singing tonight, but what I'm trying to say is let's sing it and let the Lord know that we thank him that we can meet together. Okay, what are we singing, Jim? 495, there shall be showers of blessings. Let's stand as we sing.
Again, we thank you for coming, especially if you are a visitor here with us tonight. Thank you so much for coming. I want to remind the church folks, uh, please keep praying. Um, Tomorrow night, um, not that we're rushing through tonight, but tomorrow night, Called Out will be back to sing for us. Uh, Wednesday night, we had the family night uh, supper, and if you haven't signed up for that yet, uh, there's some sheets on the bulletin board, and if you would, uh, if you can't find those sheets, if you'll just let Sandy Jordan or somebody on the kitchen committee know. But we want you to come and be a part of that. We know that this puts a lot of extra pressure on you uh, to get everything done and get to church, but we'll provide supper on um, on on Wednesday night for a small cost, of course. Uh, we're just going to recoup the cost of the food. But, uh, but we do want you to come each night, okay? And God has blessed us, and we are grateful for that. Um, I accidentally left my prayer list on, um, on my desk, but I do know that there are several people getting ready to have surgery tomorrow and Wednesday. Please remember tomorrow, uh, Donna Perrin will have surgery at Duke. Uh, Joy Shepard will have surgery at Person Memorial. On Wednesday, Casey Merston, who is a pastor at Oak Grove, she will have surgery uh, at the Duke Ambulatory Surgical Center, as well as Sydney Newton, one of our uh, one of our young children, uh, Jonathan and Amber's daughter, will have surgery at Duke that day. Uh, please remember the Annie Mae Tuck family. Um, the visitation will be tomorrow night at Powell Funeral Home in South Boston from seven until eight thirty, and the funeral will be on Wednesday at 2 o'clock again at the Powell, um, Powell Funeral Home in, uh, in South Boston. Again, there are others. Um, I ask that as we join together in a time of prayer that you would lift those up that you know. Uh, many are still at home, still got the flu bug and the stomach bugs going around, and uh, we ask God to bless them. Um, but thank you again for being here. So let's join together as we pray. Father, we are indeed grateful that we can have services during the week here at the church. And God, again, we ask that even tonight as people ride by the church and see the lights on and the cars in the parking lot, that people would be reminded that our God is truly alive and that he has made himself known through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's given us a very special book, the Word of God, the Bible, that we might know him better and know his will and plan for our lives. And God, help us truly to be your church, Father. God, help us to to honor you by living for you each and every day. God, help us to be your witnesses. Help us to be those lights that shine out in a dark world of sin, that people would turn from sin and turn to Jesus and know the power of his shed blood on the cross, Lord. And as we prepare to celebrate Easter in just a few Sundays, God, please, Lord, help our hearts to overflow with joy that not only did Jesus die for us, but he conquered death for us. And that not only did he die and conquer death for us, but that he promised that he would come back and would take us unto himself that where he is, we could be also. God, as we await the trumpet sound, as we await the return of your Son as your church, Father, help us to be found faithful. God, help us to know that now is the time, not in our distant future, God, but now is the day that we need to be living for Jesus. And as people that perhaps don't yet know Christ or have invited him in their heart to be their Savior, now is the time, now is the day of salvation. 
And God, I pray tonight that as Tim breaks the, the word of God, the bread of life to us, that your Holy Spirit would be allowed to capture the hearts and minds of all of us, Lord, in this place. And that you would be able to speak the message to our heart that we need to hear tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the Brown family. God, thank you for their ministries. Thank you for their church at Cedar Grove. God, how we pray for the Five Forks Baptist Church that your hand and your spirit would be upon them. And God, I just thank you for all that gather here this night. Lord, we could have been in other places doing many other things. But God, thank you that we can be in the house of God and we can be with our family of God and we can hear the word of God. Father, again, please bless us. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. As I've said each night, don't feel like I need to introduce uh, Tim Bowes, but I want to just say a couple of words again, okay? Tim is the director of My Life Matters. He's been the director there for 12 years. He also is the pastor at East Rock uh, Church. He's been there for nine and a half years. And um, God has just done a marvelous work in his heart and saving him and calling him into ministry. And Tim, we're just so thankful for you, brother, and thankful that his wife, Care, and their two daughters, uh, Katie and Rachel, have been able to come. Um, Tim, we pray that God will continue to use you in a mighty and powerful way. Now, I want to reminisce for just a minute about the Brown family, okay? What you guys do for the Lord, I hadn't had anything to do with it, but I've been an observer, okay? And Angela and Dale, I guess y'all got married, was it 1985 or 6 or somewhere around in there? Do you remember, Dale? I might have to ask Angela, but uh, <laughs> 83, was it 83? Okay. And I remember as a young couple, I knew, I knew these two young folks were committed to the Lord. Did not know um, how you guys would continue to come and be uh, part of revival meetings and singing. And, and probably many of you remember as they had children, they taught them how to sing and play musical instruments. And, and during many revivals as, as children, I can remember they'd kind of line up on the altar. Y'all remember, y'all know that I'm telling the truth now. And, and saying that, but I've often thought, and I want to compliment you publicly, Dale and Angela, your faith has been passed on to your children, Amen. and that's a powerful, powerful statement, but I've also got to tell another story on you, Austin. I think I've got this right. Kristen is the oldest. You are the second. Landon was the third child, correct? When Landon, who is also in ministry out in Montana, uh, when Landon was born, you would have been probably three years old, maybe, does that sound right, two years old, somewhere along in there, and I went by to see Angela and Dale and, and the new baby, and of course, Kristen and, and Austin were there, and Austin being a two or three-year-old, he wanted to say something about how excited he was about the arrival of his little brother, and he looked at me as sincere as he could, and he said, he ain't got no teeth. <laughs> I have never, I have never forgotten that, and uh, it just, it just blessed my soul. Y'all have been a blessing. As Austin told you, uh, he is the pastor now at, uh, at the uh, Five Forks Baptist Church in Cedar Grove, and we're just so thankful for you and your wife and your, your daughter and your ministry there. May God bless all of you guys. They're going to come and sing again, then Tim's going to come and lead us in worship. I don't remember that story, but I can tell you something about Landon.
today kind of takes after dad. Now he ain't got no hair. <laughs> and I want to say something too, Ben. I know this is your last year, I guess. Well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> we hope not. But anyway, <coughs> this is always be always will be home to me, and you will always be my pastor. Nearer, my God, to Thee, nearer to Thee, e'en though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be Thank this family again for that music. Thank y'all so much.
uh, three of your sisters were sitting in front of me, and I leaned up and told them, I said, if I know the song I'm going to sing, let me just go ahead and apologize for what you hear. So uh, they'll testify, I did, and it wasn't good. I hope you're finding your Bibles tonight, Philippians chapter number one. We open God's Word together. You know, um, I got some relatives, let's say, how can I explain this? They're not as cultured as I am. You know, so sometimes they'll visit with me and I'll take them, you know, places they have never experienced, fancy places. You know, sometimes places like the mall. And they're surprised to find out that a mall is something besides what you cut wood with, you know. Well, they've taken it out now, but a few years ago they had an elevator over in Danville Mall. And some of my sort of knuckle-dragging kinfolks came around. I told them I'd take them to the mall. And we got over there, and the ladies was walking around. And I took, took the dad and, and the son, and I said, let's us walk around. Well, he got to the elevator, and I said, you want to go in the elevator? He said, what's that? And I, this, is, I, this is where I messed up. I said, it's a magic box. And he said, well, let me see how this thing worked. And there was this dude, there was this dude right there with us. I mean, he, he made me look good looking. I mean, he was ugly. <laughs> sort of what you'd imagine if, if Herbert and Corey stopped flirting and had a kid together. About like that. And you know how elevators work. The doors open. And I was like, come on. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And that, and that fella got on that, on that thing, and the door shut. And, it, you know, it went, and we waited, and it came back. When it opened back up, one of these bodybuilder dudes just come strolling out. Without missing a beat, he elbowed his son and said, boy, go get your mama. I don't know how you define revival, but a lot of us, and maybe too many of us, define revival as what we hope to see happen in somebody else. We look around and see all the things we don't like about the people around us, the community, the society, the culture, the age we live in, and we want God to touch them so something will change. And that's not necessarily wrong, but we often sing revive us again, and I think we ought to change the word to revive me again. We need to look at ourselves, and if there was a magic elevator, we all need to take a ride. We all need to go up a few floors and come back down different. So I would say tonight, as I've been doing, I want to remind you what what I think would happen if we really had revival. What would really happen if we had revival? I think we'd be humble before God and each other. I think a spirit of confession would break loose. I think people would go get old wrongs and set them right. Grudges would be burned. Lies that got told would get straightened out. Shameful things we done in secret would be brought to the light. I think God would break bondages to addictions. And I think he'd change the, break down the walls of division that separate us by class, race, age, education. I think it would humble us so much that we wouldn't wonder if we had a right to stand in front of everybody. We'd be surprised if we had a right to be with anyone. Humility would break loose. Secondly, I think we'd, we'd be honoring to God in our lifestyle in a fresh way. We would change. We would be more kingdom-focused. We wouldn't be looking at what all we can do for our portfolio. We would be looking to what we could do 
to bring glory to God. Because what happens is we start to have this urgency about his return, and that changes our behavior. And I think if revival really got loose, we'd be helpful to people in the love and the name of God. We'd be so others-focused that we'd stop seeing who qualified for grace. And we'd realize, don't nobody qualify for grace. That's why it's grace. Somebody say amen. Amen. We'd remember in a fresh way that we never deserved to be saved, but God in his goodness, God in his goodness saved us. God in his goodness makes the rain shine on the just and the unjust, makes his sun shine on the wicked and the righteous. And we'd remember that and start treating people the way God treats people, with mercy and grace and love, even in the face of of, of their wrong. So what would happen? Humble, honoring, and helpful. That's how we'll know if revival breaks out. That's how you'll know if it breaks out in your life. So tonight, let's visit again into the scriptures. Let's look tonight, and I want to focus on basically uh, the whole Bible. So I'm glad you brought it with you. But I want to look through the lens of Philippians chapter 1, And I'll just read beginning at verse 18 because I want to reference so much of the rest of it. It starts out with the question, what then? How do we respond to this stuff that was said before? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, This will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Father, as we open your word, we must be visited by your the natural stand the things of God. So, Holy Spirit, help us. We're but weak people. Help us. We're but needy children. Help us. God, stir our hearts. Stir our hearts and cause us to see you. And when we see you, cause us to come a-running. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen. Now, I've been very frank with y'all in times past. I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether I was an alcoholic, but I drank pretty hard. And according to this little thing on my phone, I've saved a quarter million dollars since I quit drinking just by what I used to consume every week. I was a hard drinker, hard charger. I was a hard worker, hard fighter. But when I came to Jesus... The chief thing was not all those habits that seemed to pour out of my fingers. It was the emptiness that seemed to pour out of my heart. That was what I wanted God for. I was tired of feeling alone in a crowd. I was tired of feeling wrong no matter what I'd done. I was tired of being out of sorts. I was tired of being disconnected from God and didn't even know that was my chief problem. So when I came to God, one thing I was looking for was passionate purpose for life. I wanted to get up and do something every day besides make a dime and figure out whether I was going to put this rim on my truck or buy that motor in my truck. I wanted something more. And sometimes the very nature of what quelches revival is that that's the little loop we're stuck in. 
Where am I going to go for vacation? What am I going to do this weekend? What kind of boogie board am I going to get? Can we afford the lake house? How long will we stay at the beach this year? What concert will I go to next? And so it's like we are always sitting in the dirt playing with piles of ashes. And it eats us up spiritually. So much so that one day we realized I'm a mess. I'm dirty all over and nothing's been accomplished and I've been at this for far too long. Well, I spent 25 and a half years like that. And I didn't know what I was asking God for, amen, but I do now. I was asking God to give me a life I didn't have to be ashamed of. And I was asking God to give me a life I could be proud of. That's two different things. One, I didn't want to be ashamed of what I had done anymore, and I want to be proud of what I plan to do. I wanted something when I woke up in the morning, it was more than about counting the hours and the dollars connected to it. I wanted a life with passion and with power, and I wanted it. I didn't put it like that. I was just so sick of being empty that I asked God to fill me. I don't think my prayer that first night was very elegant. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have a lot of refinement in the religious area, but I had been reading the Bible. Amen. Praise God. You catch somebody reading the Bible, something's going to happen. I've been reading the Bible, and I called out to God in the name of Jesus Christ, and I said, I think my prayer was something like, I'm your boy, and you my daddy. Do whatever you want to do. And I can tell you that pretty much every day since then, sometimes multiple times a day, I still make that prayer. I'm your boy, you my daddy. Do whatever you want to do. The problem with that kind of prayer is if you tell your Heavenly Father to do whatever he wants to do, he is going to smash your schedule commandeer your pocketbook, and shift your focus. What blocks revival? We say, wait a minute, I've got too, I got too much plans for my time. I've got too much plans for my money, and I want to decide what I do with my hands and feet and mouth. Well, just like I told you last night, I have resolved myself to shun mediocre Christianity. And when I catch myself living it, I want to repent and go back to purpose, passion, and power. Some of us have never come to the conclusion that we needed a change in life. We just don't want to go to hell. We treat salvation like playing Monopoly. Let me collect some stuff and get that one card that keeps me out of jail. No, you got to come to the place where you say, I don't even want this life anymore. I don't even want to live. I don't even want to be who I was. I don't want a shined up version. I was thinking about tonight as I shine my shoes. I got one of them cheetah things, a little sponge where you just do like this real fast. Some of us, that's all we really want. We want a shined up life and a ticket out of hell. What God wants for you is to have something that when you wake up every day, you're ready to go. Now, I don't think I do this. You'll also you'll like this one. Y'all pastors will like this. But when I wake up every day, after I've stumbled around for a few moments, I'm that guy. I have to, you know, walk around a little bit doing this. When my mind gets clear, I say, Lord, let this be a day that you so use me that from the moment I wake up, the devil says, oh, God, Tim's up again. <laughs> I want to make a devil pray. I don't think I accomplished that, but I know what I'm after. Now, that being said, I want to look at the Scriptures. I want you to know from my testimony, from what place in my spirit these things are born, so that you might see 
from the scriptures that God desires a life of power, purpose, and passion for all of us. He wants all of us to have a life that we will not be ashamed of. Somebody say amen. Did you know that God was interested in his glory? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, some people think God's egotistical for that. No, he just deserves it. Amen. He just deserves it. I don't care what, I don't care, you know, who you like in sports. Everybody got to give props to that Mayboy with Carolina because he popped it, he dropped it, and they won. You can hate him if you want to, but the Nets tell the story. Click up. You can thank God's egotistical. The fact is he deserves greater, greater glory than made those crowds stand up and cheer for that boy in that basketball shot. And I wonder sometimes, do we think about his glory? Because if we could engage with his glory, we would jump more in this room than we do with that TV. And God's jealous for his glory. He doesn't like it when somebody's giving glory, especially his kids. When somebody is giving more glory to those things than they are to him. He says in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 7 that he is going to gather everybody together that he created for his glory. Isn't that interesting? You were created for God's glory. Sometimes when the devil's beating you up, you need to remember. You says, I was made because my daddy wanted me. Amen. Said the heavens declare his glory. You walk outside tonight and if you can see the stars, look up and say, Preach. Everything God made, he made for his glory. Even when Jesus prayed, he says, now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. That was his question. Should I say, save me from this hour? He said, but I've come for a purpose to this hour. Then he says this, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. See, we don't understand sometimes that God's interested in his glory. I love Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. I wrote an article on this in the paper one time. And because the Bible uses words like predestination, and I quoted the Bible, I got in trouble. So if y'all want to get me in trouble, just go read your Bibles. Somebody say amen. The Bible says he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. If you want to argue about that, it was his will. Amen. My name might be Timothy Will, but that was his will. But he tells us the reason. To the praise of the glory of his grace. God doesn't want to just show off his whole self. He wants to show off pieces of himself. So he predestined people in Christ Jesus to show off his goodness. Why? Because nobody deserves the goodness of God. So it gives him glory to say, you're coming to me because I brought you to me, not because you came to me. Even in revival, even amongst the saved, when we come again to Christ, when we renew our commitment, when we return to passion and power and purpose, we're not coming because we're good, smart folks. We're coming because the Spirit of God has visited us, and we cannot say no anymore. So there's something truly interesting that happens. If you still have your Bibles in Philippians, look look at chapter 11. We know it. We might not know the reference, but Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 11 says, Every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee is going to do what, church? Bow. Every tongue is going to do what, church? 
Do you know what that word means? It's homo legeo, homo, the same, legeo, logos, that's words, aos, to say, to say the same words. Every tongue, every tongue is going to be saying what God's been saying, and that's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know that that's where all of this is going? Now, for a long time, I had this thing called cable TV. And I found out how dumb I was to pay that bill. I had what I called a revelation. But I live in a geographic oddity. The antenna don't work. So now I got something called Netflix. And you know what I like to do? I like it when people tell me they're watching a series. And I'll go get in about the fifth season of it and watch one episode and then go back and ruin it for them. That's just my humor. I can't help myself. It also stops them from talking to me about what they're watching on TV. Because <laughs> frankly, Scarlett, <laughs> I don't care. But this is one story where we can tell you the culmination of the story and it doesn't ruin it. It heightens it. What is everything moving toward? Everything is moving toward everyone, everywhere that has ever been born, saying, Jesus is Lord. Everything, everywhere. Why? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. You know, my brother, my brother David, I tried to get him to come tonight because I like to tell his stories on him. I like to see his face when I do it. He had this thing he would do where he would put both of his knees right here. You know, he'd get me down. And, man, he's sort of fat. And, um, <laughs> I mean, he, he was fat when we was kids. He ain't got no T4 hair no more. <laughs> Don't you think he'd have loved to have heard this story? But he would do this thing. He'd put his knees right here. I've told this story so many times. And, and I was, was, hmm, 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 hmm. I can be one of the most stubborn people you'll ever meet. And he would do that thing where he's trying to get me to do something to say uncle or agree that I'd wash your dishes or whatever the thing was. But he had this thing that was, it was medieval torture, man. The Spanish people used this in the Inquisition. It was terrible. Put them knees right there and he would let his saliva droop. And he would pull it back up and ask me the question again. Are you going to do it? And I'm like, no. And he'd do it again. I don't mean to be gross. I love the Lord. I'm not trying to be gross. I want you to see an illustration. I want you to see it. Look at your neighbor and say, I want you to see it. But the more times you do that, the looser that mess gets. And you either give up or get wet. Thank goodness my brother's got sort of a method of upbringing. I just had drips, not an outpour. <laughs> and I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up until something was popping and cracking. But that spit thing was gross. <laughs> Do you realize that every knee is going to bow and some are going to be bowing? Their knee is going to bow. Their tongue is going to be full of exuberant joy. But some of those knees are going to hate every word that comes off their mouth. Some of them are going to be forced to their knees. Some will be compelled to speak by the view of his glory. 
Many will be compelled to speak because of the love of his glory. Everybody will stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. But do you realize that's where this thing is going? Stop sometimes and say, where is it all going? It's going to that one momentous moment when all of creation. I even heard one pastor say, every dead daffodil will get back up and say, Everything is moving there. And God does not have you pinned down with both knees spitting in your face. Instead, he pinned his son to a cross and poured out his blood for you. He compels us to his glory by his grace, by his unmerited favor. And it's not just that Jesus' blood is sufficient to pay for all your sins. According to God, it is necessary to come to him. So it's coming down to this. And I can't wait. God warned me. God wooed me. God warned me. I always liked my granddaddy's terms. You know, he had these old-fashioned dating terms. Brought a girl by. He says, is you wooing a boy? <laughs> Y'all sparking? I had to go look that up. I was like, no, nah, we both made out of skin. There hadn't been no skin. <laughs> turns out he was just asking, did we like each other? <laughs> God wooed me. So patient, so kind. 1984, my brother died in a car wreck, and I was one of them people who always believed in God. I wouldn't submit to God. Anybody know that story? Has anybody got that testimony? You didn't have to tell me he existed. I, I wanted to explain him away. I didn't want to get with him. My brother died. I got mad. Boy, I was mad. I, I went to a tobacco barn, barn. We lived over on the Cunningham Road over in the, between Samora and McGee's Mill at that time, farming some old farm, living in some old ratty house. And I went and got into the tobacco barn. I cursed God. I, I don't mean, I didn't do it in a nice way. I mean, I let him sling, shook my fist, and cussed God. Wasn't it kind of him not to turn me to dust and send me to hell? That might have been the worst moment of denying God, but there were so many others when his grace was being poured on me and I saw it, but I, I didn't want a part of it. I didn't want God. I wanted my way. So I love it. If you back up a little bit in Philippians, Paul prays this prayer in Philippians chapter 1. He's praying it over those believers in Philippi. And I believe God gave it to us in the Scriptures so that this prayer might fall over us. In verse 9 of chapter 1 it says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Discernment is that gaining of understanding that doesn't come by human machinations. Discernment, God is showing you a thing. That your love may abound, that he might show you a thing. So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for what, church? The day of Christ. He's coming back. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through who? Jesus Christ. And for what purpose? To the glory and praise of God. Man, God wants to use your life to give him glory. Amen. Woo! Man, you work 40 years of the job, and if you get a gold watch, pretty happy. God wants you to work, live, love, serve, 
all for his glory. He wants to show off through you, in you. I used to love to play baseball, man. I love to hit them home runs, man. I love to hit them. But you know what I like better than a home run? Any baseball players in the house? Any of y'all young folks? He pointed at him. <laughs> I always like that in church when you ask a question, people go. <laughs> you know what I like better than a home run? Triples. You know why? Because that's a hard hit and a lot of hustle. And when I come up and that, and that dust all around me, like right now when I dive, I just stop. And when I get up, you can plant a tree where my belly stops. <laughs> but when I was a little skinny boy, it's like, y'all, well, I'd slide. I, look, I, I wanted to be like Pete Rose. Y'all know who he is? He's real old. He played with, <laughs> he played with Moses. I want, man, I'd almost kill myself. I, I'd come off the bat and I'd say, that's a double. I'm going for three. I, and I'd just gone. Whoo, gone, boy. I dive, I hit that ground, I come up, and I wanted somebody to say, good job. I yeah! I hit a home run, I just come in like, I do that all the time. <laughs> One is the swing, the other one is the swing and the hustle. Double glory. Oh, what a fool I was in so many ways to work so hard for such a fading glory. And to miss the glorious call God has given every man, woman, and boy and girl who will hear his voice. You who hears what the Spirit is saying to the church, know that God wants a grand more for you. In his prayer for the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is what, church, who knows it? Able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly, or some translations say, far more than you could do. What? Think or imagine. I used to lay in my bed. I used to love to do this thing because I, I never sleep, even when I was young. And I'd throw my baseball and see how close I could get it to the ceiling without it touching. Do y'all do that? We are such nerds. <laughs> and I used to play these little videos in my head of, 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 of Home Run Derby. It was a show that was on in the 60s. And I think about, I'm going to hit this one like Hank Aaron. I'm going to hit this one like Harmon Killebrew. And I love it. And to think about how many hours I wild away. Wanting to be a baseball player. Wanting to be a good soldier. I can even remember, you know, I used to like to stamp my welds out of the power plant. Anybody? anybody? I want them to know I welded that. And then if it broke, I said, somebody must have had my stamp. <laughs> God help me. Poor preaching. Holy Spirit's good. Holy Spirit's good. I just want y'all to see that it's, it's ingrained in us just as much as original sin has wrecked mankind, original glory still caused us to the much more all the time. We long for it. We long for the much more. Something in us. God says, in God's word says he has put eternity in our hearts. You know, you know there's something so much more. You know it. So we strive for it, and often we strive for it in a tunnel. We're only doing it this right here, and sometimes we only strive for it in a mirror. We're doing it right here. And God wants us to strive for it with heaven in mind, to that great, glorious end to all that's ever been made, where every person and every knee is bowed and every tongue is saying, Jesus is Lord, and he wants us on that side that's happy to say it. Because God's not going to spit in your face even though we spit in Jesus. But he will put you on your knee. 
Not because Tim said it, because Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 say it. He's going to put you on your knee. Wouldn't it be better to give in now and be a volunteer in the glory getting? More importantly, in the glory giving. So how do we live a life of which we're not ashamed? Some of y'all think all that was just an introduction. You might be right. Nervous laughter. (laughs) Hey, let's take a break. Herbert, when I first came to the Lord, I started going to revivals. I came to the Lord in March of 1997. That season, people start, you know, having a lot of revivals. And I went to um, this church, and man was preaching on Jeremiah 18. I hadn't been a Christian 20 minutes. And he's preaching on Jeremiah 18. And man, people, would, they were standing up waving their body. I mean, amen. I was like, good Lord, this is good. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I, I'm kind of an amen guy anyway, you know. And I was sitting, sitting on the end of the pew like this, squeezed in. And I can squeeze in the smaller spaces in, you know. <laughs> and he's just preaching, you know, Jeremiah 18. He's preaching. And finally one hit me. I said, Amen. Man sitting beside me slapped my leg so hard it broke my ankle. <laughs> Look, turned and looked at me like, you know, I was a Russian spy. Something looked at me and he says, it's a man, brother. They won't but one Jesus. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, man. <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> that, you, you really can't make that up. <laughs> you really, listen, how do you live a life which you're not ashamed? You know, you know, young people, you know, I just love the young people. Can I talk to y'all a minute? You know, this is what you really want. All the things we do on social media to build an image, all the things we do with our friends to make sure that we're being accepted and noticed. What you really want is a life you're not ashamed of and a life you can be proud of. That's what you're really longing for. You know, all the stuff we do to look pretty and be strong, it's that glory of God calling out to us saying, come get more, come get more. I'm just telling you to pull down the mirror, bend down your knee, and cry out to God because he's got more for you. He wants you to wake up in the morning, not dread going to school, not dread seeing so, he, so-and-so. He wants you to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to be full of purpose today for you, God. Amen. Like I told you last night, the preposition makes a difference. It's not what he wants from you. It's what he wants for you. God wants you to have a life you can be proud of, stuff that you don't have to have a password on everything to hide who you really are. By the way, some of you married folks who got your phones on password, repent tonight and change them. Don't hide, don't, don't hide things from your spouses. See, God might be just using that simple illustration to call y'all to something greater than these little secret lives on the inside that we project differently on the outside. You know, you're made for his glory. He wants the best words of your, of your life to be Jesus is Lord, and I like it. I don't just know there's a God. I've submitted to him, and I like it. So how do you live a life which you're not ashamed? The Bible says, according to Paul, that whether he's alive or he's dead, he, that Christ will be honored through him. What does that mean? That Christ will be magnified. 
that his life, whether he's living or dying, will cause people to see that Jesus is great. You know, that's what God's calling you to, church. Not the chest bumping stuff where it says, I'm great. You know, I laugh a lot of times. That I like all kinds of music, and this is going to surprise some of y'all. I even like hip-hop. Once I found out I didn't actually have to hip and hop while I listened to it. <laughs> but to me, it's always, what are they saying? The lyrics. I don't care. My favorite kind of music is bluegrass, but you can write a bluegrass song that is really dumb. Did you know that? That is godless and dumb. So it matters what they say. And you know why I really don't like most modern country music, most modern, I mean, modern country music and most all hip-hop? Why I really don't like it is because it's all about me. Look at this and what I got. And, you know, one, one's got the, you know, one kind of beat. The other one's got the other kind of beat. One guy's saying I'm driving a Lexus and I got 27 rings and 19 girlfriends. And the other one's saying my truck is jacked up and my rifle's in the back and... I got a dip of snuff in my girlfriend's lip. And, <laughs> and it's equally self-centered. So we run around in all these very socially accepted ways resisting what we're really created for. And it's no wonder we're out of whack. Am I telling you to turn off country music? I'm telling you it's bad enough that you ought to. But what I'm really saying is, do you want to be that person where everything has to be about you? Because when you do that, you run counter to what you're really made for. And no wonder you feel out of sorts. And you feel like you got to go build some image that you can train and contain. Paul says, I want God to get the glory out of my life. I want God to be magnified no matter what I do. And that's what he means when he says, My life, my life, if I'm living, I want Jesus to show off. And then he says, if I die, I want that to bring him glory too. Why? Because Paul says in verse 21 that when he dies, that is gain. How could it be that dying is gain? Why would we call that a gain? Why would we call it a profit? Because it means he draws closer to Christ. And the last and greatest veil is broken down. And there we stand as in the garden, unclothed in flesh or unrighteousness, naked and unashamed before God, because Jesus hides us there. So even my death is gain. Even my death shows off Jesus, is what Paul is saying. And I want that kind of life that is focused on that, that no matter whether I'm living or dying, I want people to know Jesus. What kind of life do you want tonight? What kind of life do you want? Oh, forget your notes. What kind of life do you want, folks? What do you want? Do you want to live grand? And win every trophy and get noticed by everybody and face God forced to your knees saying, your Lord, or do you want to show him off, show him out, draw people to Jesus?
We often think of eternal life as going to heaven, don't we? But in John chapter 17, verse number 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life that you know me. Do you see why you got to have eternal life before the end of your life? Because it's not a place you go, it's a person you know. And if you don't know the person before you arrive at his house, why should he let you in? This is eternal life. That's Jesus' words. This is eternal life, he says, that you know me. Do you know Jesus today? And if you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, are you living for his glory? Oh, what a good life. And I'm not telling you it's a good life because I got it. I'm telling you it's a good life because he gave it. And God's a giver of good gifts. In my worst days, my worst days are when I make it about me again. You know what a lot of us are lacking is simply that we're sitting in the sand playing in a bucket of ashes when the King of Glory has called us to show him off. What kind of life do you want? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, not, not, not Tim Bowes, that if you believe on the name of Jesus and receive him. You see, that's, that's one thing. That's one thing. That's not two things. Believe on the name of Jesus. That's faith. But receive him. That says, I believe that you are my source of life, so I receive your life. And what's Jesus want to do? He wants to live out his life through you. Being a Christian didn't mean you start coming to church and being, as where was Stan? He was, hey, Stan. Stan said he used to be an hour a week Christian. Shame on him. You'd agree, right? That's not what it means. It means I am now clothed in the undeserved righteousness of Christ, and he aims to speak his words through me to the world, do his deeds to me, show his love through me, and get people to see that the blood put me here, the blood's going to keep me here, and the blood's only thing going to send me there. Being saved ain't about getting your hind part in that pew, although a saved person puts the hind part in the pew. All these Lone Ranger Christians just making television shows. They ain't obeying God. All these store clerk Christians, these Facebook Christians. God wants you in the body actively. But salvation ain't about getting you right here. It's about getting you right with him. Every day, every day, every day God wants you.